I'm Henry Lynn. And I'm Barnett Zitrin. And welcome to Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people doing really good things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. So, welcome to Better World. Barnett, I'm super excited today. Do you know why? Because it's late morning and we never usually record a podcast. This That's right. Today. I'm high on coffee. Terra Cafe coffee. You don't drink coffee. That's correct. If you give me uppers, it's an ugly scenario. It looks like a Studio 54 party gone dark and right. Worse, it looks like a marquee party 2006. Woof. Really gross. Woof. I'm excited because we're going to be talking about carbon offsets today, and we finally get the chance to discuss some very, very, very big things and the idea of the transactional economy that we can continue to do bad and perhaps offset it. But here with us today, we have Cloverly, a marketplace for carbon offsets. Guys, welcome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. So, uh, guys, tell us a little bit about your background first. Give uh, our listeners a nice little introduction and tell them how you came to this place, because according to Nate, you both have interesting stories. Yeah. So uh, my name is Dave Folk, and I was working at a utility in the Southeast doing renewable energy marketing for for their customers. And just kind of thought like, you know, customers out there are buying these offsets in the ton space. You know, if you're purchasing an offset, it's a ton. If you're purchasing a wreck, it's a thousand kilowatt hours. But the majority of what we as people do is sub that that volume. Right. So there's no way that we can offset in small increments. Yeah. There, there's, it's very difficult to offset in small increment unless you're purchasing the larger unit. And it's also really hard. Like it's just hard to buy it in the first place. Right. That's not a Christmas party thing, right? Yeah, exactly. That's not like the company holiday party where we bought a ton of offsets and split it up. And it, like, it's not like Oprah, from accounting like the most, right? Oprah Everybody walks in, you get an offset and you get an offset. <laughs> um, it, it just doesn't work like that. And it's, it's really difficult for people to purchase them and it sucks. And so, right. um, the career that I was having was making things, you know, frictionless for, uh, well, boring products at the time. But, right. um, but, uh, there was an opportunity to do it on the renewable energy side of things and to do it with carbon offsets. And that was something that was interesting to me. And I thought, you know, if we can if we can shift things, if we can make things transactional at the point where the impact is uh, occurring, and make it easy for people to purchase offsets, then we can increase demand. And if we can increase demand, then price will follow and supply will follow. So amazing. Um, that's the general, you know, super basic thesis of Cloverly is we want to make carbon offsets and renewable energy certificates more expensive, so that way more people are encouraged to to purchase them and produce them, and or really to produce them and. So that way we can, you know, follow. Right, with, you're creating the economy around offset. That's right. Yeah, to to try and to try and make it, um, try to make it more feasible for projects to to become renewable. Right. So more. what what role do uh, companies and corporations have? Yeah. So uh, one of the other things that we found is that the majority of companies out there, big companies have sustainability departments with, you know, a bunch of really smart people who have sustainability degrees or they have, you know, environmental engineering degrees and they can afford to pay sustainability consultants to come in and help, you know, look at all their scope of missions and figure out what to do. But these smaller companies just don't have that you know, they don't have the bandwidth for that. They don't have the financing for it. And so we wanted to kind of democratize sustainability, open it up so that every company can participate because every company does want to. Nobody, nobody's out there like, I don't care about the world. Like, I'm just going to burn tires in my backyard. Nobody wants to do that. 
And a lot of Republicans. But mm, possibly, you know. <laughs> Stay away from politics for fucking 30 episodes. God damn it. Never mind. Uh, you I mean, know, we made I'm it. a Republican, so I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're a libertarian, my guy. I don't know who you're kidding. <laughs> I'm not a libertarian. You want a shotgun in a farm in Montana so bad. <laughs> you think you're Kevin Costner. You barely even, like, understand who I am. He just After does all these years, you don't even Your know. shirt screams Yellowstone, my guy. He just doesn't <laughs> want the government to provide the shotgun in the land in Montana. <laughs> right. <laughs> my shirt, first of all screams Borum Hill for cream farmers market. There's <laughs> like, nothing beyond that. Yeah, that's as far east or west I go. Do you Brooklyn, bro? Yeah, definitely. Where's your tote? It's literally in the corner. There it is. It's over there. It's not even next to me. Because I trust. It's sitting next to that quiet guy who hasn't said Jack, you know what? Bleep. Yeah. Hey, I'm Jesse Unkenholtz. Um, so I got together with Dave on the kind of pre-development stages of Cloverly back in his old job. Um, I come from the legal side. I've spent 10 years working with utility companies and, and really C&I customers, corporate and uh, industrial customers. And my niche has been in the renewable energy space, solar right development, wind development. And um, what I really... Uh, tried to get out in front of and kind of made my own was how we make new renewable projects happen um, without waiting for the government to give us subsidies that are in addition to existing subsidies without right. requiring ratepayer subsidies and, and make these renewable programs happen with companies that were willing to put their money where their mouth was and really support these kinds of projects getting built in this country and in places like the Southeast, where traditionally it's been really hard to make new renewable projects get developed. And so I was doing that on the large commercial and industrial side and Dave and I got together and we were wondering how can we make that kind of marketplace accessible to the everyday person? And you guys are the co-founders. Yes. Yeah. We've got a uh, really three fit co-founders. And Nate's the third. Nation mm -hmm. is the other one. Cause we looked at each other and we were like, we've never built a company before. Right. <laughs> right. I was on a call with Nate yesterday, which is how you guys got here um, yeah. just for feedback for our listeners. Nate's incredible definitely flexed his tech stars resume a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I mean, he, uh, he, he's got the chops to do it and he's, and he's kind of got the background. So didn't so, we, didn't we talk about government subsidies in episode 27? We did. So it's another We're full circling. So, yeah. Uh, the more we do, the more that happens. <laughs> da, da, na, na. <laughs> Just into it. The more, you know, the more, you know, the more you don't. Nate had mentioned that you guys raised about a million dollars. You have a hundred stores uh, that are active and you are running what it's the airlines hackathon. IATC was it? Yeah. So we're going to Frankfurt in like three weeks because the IATA, the yeah, right. international airline trade association, um, they came up to us and we're like, Hey, we want to do a carbon offset hackathon to make it easier. Sick. For people to offset airline flights, and this is you know seventy percent of the industry is represented by them, and they're like, we looked at the market and like, there's really nobody doing this, so you guys so want to come to Frankfurt? Just, we lean in. We got yeah, yeah. we're like, uh, yeah, we'll go to Frankfurt. And I'm told that you guys have an algorithm. So just so everybody understands the platform, Cloverly is a plugin that allows you at checkout uh, to pay a certain fee that will offset the carbon from the shipping of the product. It also apparently, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is an algorithm which computes on average, how much carbon you need to offset. So with things like airlines, you'll get uh, a higher fee that's associated with the carbon offset. Um, here at Better World, we've been talking a lot about the idea of offset versus carbon debt. And offset sort of is a one-to-one -one transaction that empowers you to really take something that's bad and 
pay the bill on it to an extent. The challenge with an offset being a one-to-one transaction is that not everybody does it, nor does it systemically address, you know, the the fossil fuel industry is only investing, as I said, I think on episode 27, 2% um, at most, but usually it's around 1% uh, in renewable energies, mm-hmm. right? So even just offsetting your driving and using gas or offsetting your flights still doesn't, you know, make uh, the airplane electric or uh, change the underpinning problem. Yeah. So what do you guys think about how we're going to migrate eventually away from the offset economy into, you know, like a net good, what we call a better circles economy? Yeah. Feel free to talk about electric <clears throat> airplanes, too, if you want to talk about that. It's a, I think, it, I think it's, a, it's a really cool, um, the, the electric airlines. I was actually talking with somebody um, who works at a envir- energy-focused uh, VC fund. It's so cool. About like a, and I, he was like, so what do you think about, what do you think about um, electric airplanes? I was like, I think there's a huge opportunity, especially in these small to regional right. mm-hmm. um, flights. And right, puddle you, jumps. Exactly. And the yeah. entire airline industry is built around this hub-and-spoke model. Yep. But once you can do the, hundred to five hundred mile um, trips, you know, sub one hundred seaters on electric airplanes, you really start to it's took a game a, changer. Exactly, yeah. it's a huge game changer. Not only for you know for freight as well. Right. You think about the freight industry. Yeah, totally. And it was funny. It was actually on on the flight up here. One of the um, one of the stewards uh, was talking about how there's a Delta flight from Cincinnati to London that's primarily a freight flight only. And he said that they only open tickets up for it because they don't want anybody sitting on it. Right. And they only open tickets from it up like two hours before this thing, this thing takes off. And so he's like, he pretty much there's like, he's like, I've been on this flight and there's only six people on this flight and they're all like industry people because they know they're insiders. Yeah. They're, they're inside big airplane and, um, and they're, they hop on it. And so I think it's really interesting of how freight can be affected, um, through air once, once you electrify that, because you, you know, at that point you're in scope two emissions, it's easier to, to connect that to renewable generation and, and battery storage once that comes online uh, uh, so you guys do have a real roadmap of how you think about offsets yeah in, in terms of phases can you tell me a little bit about that yeah so i think um you know near term the biggest problem we're addressing is that there is no the price for carbon that people pay is too little right. to what the actual cost of the environmental impacts of carbon are and so near term what we want to do is really we're increasing awareness we want people to think about that when they press this button, there's kind of this, you know, this Rube Goldberg of things that happen um, that create carbon at every step of the way. And we want right. people to start to think about what they're, what the emissions that they're causing um, through their actions and then allow them to purchase offsets and make that something that they can, that they can get involved in because that starts to, it's opening a doorway. So and step gateway. one is the education and the thought process, yeah. which really isn't there of, you know, like I get a package. Um, there was carbon from the shipping. There was carbon from the fact that I ordered liquid instead of powder. There yep. was all sorts of uh, domino effects yep. that occurred. And I now have to just think about offsetting that. I, I at least have to know about the universe of options yep. of things I can do to offset. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, the second step, you were just saying there's these phases where you move um, through to, you. I believe you just said scope two battery. Can you 
Go yeah, well, so the about the difference in offsets and like the evolution that we're getting to for sure. So the idea with um, with the different scopes of emissions, as you know, scope one is what you're directly causing. Right. You're kind of your point source emissions. Scope two is the electric sector. Um, so the electricity that your company's using, the electricity that you're using. Scope right. could even be passively, like exactly. I, I walk to get lunch. I walk into the restaurant. The restaurant's pumping electricity. Yeah, and in that place, you're wondering like, what is the marginal increase in electricity because of the BTUs that you're bringing into the restaurant? Right. Like and but then fascinating sc- shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like Wild. the math of it is it's Staggering. really, yeah, it's like process management. You're trying yeah. to think through and map out what at each level of the process, how could carbon be, be being, you know, increased by right. an action. Um, and then scope three is like this just giant catch all for everything else. It's, right. it's like, and businesses, I was actually just at a couple of the climate change week, um, things in the last few uh, days and businesses are, are kind of struggling like because a lot of them you know they they have mapped out their supply chain but they not haven't necessarily mapped out the carbon impacts of their supply chain right so companies for the first time are coming in and mapping those carbon impacts out and what we're trying to do is help um the average consumer map out algorithmically what that impact is with all of these latent contributors exactly that's and really incredible congrats and, guys oh, thanks appreciate it and the next step is you know past that it's it's making people able to to make those changes in their lives right so the second phase of this you guys took the approach of if we can get everybody to understand everything educate them and then quantify it for them we can then get to the point where we make changes and systemically alter how they're creating carbon and thus yeah. how we're removing carbon as well. And what well, really, we're really focused on is, you know, one, because Jesse and I both come from the energy side of things, but we think that there's such a proven model for decreasing emissions in the electricity sector. Right. Up until 17, um, the electricity sector was the largest producer of greenhouse gases in the U.S., and that was overtaken that year by transportation. And that's because that renewables are that's coming online. 2017? Yeah, I believe 2017 is, is when, it, uh, when transportation leapfrogged um, the energy sector. So energy is is decarbonizing. Like This is a massive macro trend that's occurring. And right. so our goal is... Um, this is the second biggest producer of greenhouse gases emissions by sector and by industry. And what our real goal is, is we want to help bring about, you know, the, the growth of renewables and the decarbonization of energy and the making the entire process more efficient exact, and making, making the entire process more efficient. And because of that, now you're, you're decreasing emissions on the global scale by so much that we feel like we can really have an impact of climate change. Part of, part of the problem with climate change is like, it's this massive idea that is very scary because there are real tangible impacts, but it's hard for people to like know how can I have an effect? It's like this whole like, how do I personally have an effect on that? And we think that energy is the way to go. Amazing. We have to cut to a commercial break, yeah. pre recorded where Barnett is singing. <laughs> is that from the new Lion King? <laughs> it's the start of it. Yeah. It's the start. Right? What are we thanking today? We are thanking Smile Radio. Focusing big on SmileRadio.fm, our hostess with the mostest, and shout out to your wonderful wife, the producer of all producers. Yeah. SmileRadio.fm. Please check them out both on the intertubes uh, and on the Instagrams. We are recording here live at 24th and Lexington at the Smile Radio FM studio. And we always record here live, except when we're on location. And greatly appreciate all of the other folks in the community who are doing great things. BZ, did you listen to Elfcast yet? I haven't. Okay, well, you got to get on it. I know. Is that the one that's live Tuesdays? There's I don't one, know if it's Tuesday. There's a live music 
show. So we've got to all get up on Smile Radio FM immediately. I mean, it's kind of incredible. I feel honored that we're able to be a part of this this family. I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't exist without. We would not. No. Thank you, Smile Radio. Yeah. And we are back. Thank you to Barnett's special singing introduction and rendition of the opening of The Lion King. Uh, guys, I want to tell you a little bit about the conversation that I had with your third founder, uh, Nate. It was really, really great. I loved talking to that guy. Um, we happen to have originally come to this through a really wonderful friend of ours and a podcast co-host and guest, Dave Grossman of um, Panacea. And he works in aquaculture now, uh, grows sea cucumbers because he says the world's going to need protein. And the world's going to need blue carbon, and we got to save the coastlines, and we have to train farmers who were formerly doing bad things and doing good things, growing kelp farms, mangroves, sea cucumbers. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge demand internationally for them. Uh, they're used in a number of different ways. And in any event, Dave came to us and said, hey, there are better economies. And we started studying this and getting into it, and eventually I wrote a white paper, which I think we're going to publish one of these days, <laughs> um, where we titled them A Better Circle Economy. Uh, we're probably going to have that renamed the second Barnett gets his hands on it, but that's fine. He's the branding guy. <laughs> um, but what we look I at, hate that name. I hate it. We're changing it. <laughs> yep. Um, it's going down. Uh, but what we looked at was this idea that, for example, if you grow something in agroforestry um, and you grow, uh, you know, coffee, cacao, and you incentivize a farmer to grow a tree rather than cows or soy, you're doing two things at once, right? You're getting them to stop doing the bad thing and then you're encouraging an economy of a good thing. And it has social impact because you're ideally paying them more and cows and soy go nutrient deficient mm-hmm. in the land and so they can only do it for like 10 years. So it's really, it creates debt across the entire mm-hmm. board. What um, we did in conjunction with that was we actually started, um, and this is how I found you guys, we started investigating doing our own uh, carbon debt plug-in. And so we wanted to support these economies and these farmers. We found an organization called Nika France. There's another organization on the aquaculture side uh, that Dave works with, which we're going to announce soon, that we're also going to support. But basically, these people who are planting things like mangroves, kelp farms, sea cucumbers on the aquaculture side, and then on the agroforestry side, they're planting trees instead of you know, soy and the rest. So um, we look at it uh, very similar to you guys. You, you went on a very big scale, and I love your approach. I think it's brilliant. We looked at it as, okay, can we start by creating these people who not just you know give somebody uh, a buck to plant a tree, but somebody who's going to care for the tree, and by virtue of giving them one tree, ideally they're planting significantly more trees, mm-hmm. right? So there's a compound effect of good that's occurring. And we've um, gotten close to launching uh, our carbon debt program, but really believe that the entirety of the market should have every single D2C site should have something that allows you to contribute to offset whatever carbon is being made. If I'm renting a car, Mm -hmm. airplane, if I'm buying something that has to be shipped, you know, particularly internationally, you know, we're deep believers in it. And more importantly, we want to get to the point where we are as consumers helping other consumers support Mm -hmm. net good companies Mm -hmm. rather than these net bad companies. So rather than, you know, using offsets to cover up something, just go to companies who, through their manufacturing, through their supply chain, they're doing good. And these are a lot of the companies, of course, that we have on the pod, if you guys get a chance yeah. to some later. But um, I wanted to uh, share Nate's response when I told him that, um, because it was basically the most badass, I don't give a flying. 
<laughs> it's like we put all of our information out there. Yeah. We are full transparency. We want everybody to know that we're doing this. We want more people doing it. Yeah. You know, like we actually came to this wanting to change the world. I'm like, my guy, you want to have drinks? Go <laughs> tang. He like, actually no, he has a way drink. better voice than I do, so it, he should so. come on to. But you got a great voice. <laughs> You know, well, Barnett hasn't made fun of you yet. He makes fun of true. everybody. <laughs> he'll he'll probably make fun of me. But um, yet our kind of like rallying cry at Cloverly is radical transparency. And one of the frustrations we really had in the green space is this concept of greenwashing. Right. Oh. You know, and companies will go, "Hey, we've offset our entire carbon footprint, and you can't find, no matter how much research you do, deep into their website, deep into everything they do, what they actually did to offset do you that think carbon." This migration away from this kind of CSR, we did this thing. The, the the old way of doing it to a new way of doing it. Um, we hope so because that's what that's that frustration like that we're that. feeling is we know is a frustration that a lot of people are feeling. Right. And, and you see it whenever a big company comes out and says, Hey, we've greened our entire supply chain. We've done this and that. And people are like, how, what did you do? What, you know, and my guy, you're still shipping liquid. Right. Exactly. Chemicals. And, and, you know, we found like some companies will say we've offset all the shipments that we've used from all our delivery trucks. And sometimes you find out and they bought some carbon offsets from Chinese projects that you have no idea right. what mm. that means or what it is. So we, fully believe in you got to show your work right radical transparency we're going to put our algorithms out there so you can see how we're calculating not only the carbon impact that you're offsetting but the carbon avoidance or the carbon offsetting on the other end of it and as we iterate these algorithms over time we try to get more and more granular and more and more deep into it when you were talking about those kind of secondary effects and tertiary effects of these things as we get more and more sources as we refine the algorithms more and more we keep trying to pull those things in and get very down to the detail and absolutely show all of our work. Radical transparency is what we think people are going to demand. And it's going to take away that greenwashing thing. That's really in a lot of ways, letting the perfect be the enemy of the good, but also letting people kind of get away with not doing what they're saying, what they're doing. And and we're trying to create something where people won't question that anymore and right. go, I see what you're doing. And if I've got a question about it, or I think you're doing something wrong, I'm going to tell you and you're going to deal with it and tell us how you fixed it. So that's like the underlying philosophy of our, our algorithms and the way we, we do Clover. I think it's an amazing approach guys. Yeah, I do too. How did you decide to target airlines as so the thing that, about that's the first yeah. big thing, right? Like the the really fun thing about an API, you know, we built this API where you put carbon in and we get offsets or avoidance on the other end, um, and we just released it into the wild. And the first product that we built on our API because we thought it was cool was this um, offsetting deliveries. But when you release an API product into the wild, you really don't know what developers are going to do with it. And so it's out there. And really, the airlines came to us and they said, hey, we saw your product out there. We see that it's a tool that we can use. Um, and and they came to us. We didn't really target them on the front end, but we think it's a really cool application right. of the API. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the exciting things when we launched the API on Earth Day this year was we're launching into the development community and these software developers are going to take it and run with it. And we have no idea what business models that people are going to build off of our platform. And so having the airline industry come to us and say, we want to build something off your API, we're like, oh, that's awesome. That might not have been our first idea of how to use this thing, but it's a really cool way to use this tool that we're building and we're all about doing it. Right. How have you guys done payments? I assume that it is incredibly challenging 
to avoid the processing fees that add up very, very quickly when you're passing money to money to money. Yeah. So we, you know, as part of the part of what we built is the back end where companies can add this to their site, but not necessarily have to pay a transactional processing fee for every single, you know, offset that they're performing. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is the company collects that whatever the customers offset, and then we essentially invoice the the company for um, for that fee. Uh, of what they've collected. So that way we're able to kind of avoid some of those um, one inserting any sort of, you know, fee splitting at the point of checkout can be kind right. of fraught with technical challenges, but also by having it where the company just adds it as a line item, then they're able to seamlessly process that transaction. And then we have uh, essentially a ACH connector with the, right. with those companies. So that way we can just auto invoice them on a predetermined basis. To, right, um, nice smooth, yep. low fee. Guys, we have to take one last commercial break, and we have to give a special thank you uh, to the person who introduced you guys to us. So we're going to give a shout-out in this commercial to the Package Free Shop. Consumer plastic-free goods. Check them out, packagefreeshop.com. Everything that you have has a plastic alternative these days. Totally swap out your deal. You can go room by room at Package Free. You can. Yeah. I uh, I swapped out my sheets because they had microplastic in them. No way. Really? Well, if you're uh, a man-made, you know, even like rayon for the stretch polyester, that's got plastic. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not cool. Not cool. Microbeating. Mm -mm. And we're back. Uh, guys, we're going to wrap this up with uh, a brief conversation about what our listeners can do as contributions to the world. By the way, speaking of bed sheets, because uh, that was in the pre-recorded right. commercial that we just did. Right. Um, shout right. out to Buffy. Shout out to Buffy. Yeah. We love that guy. Leo, he's great. Yeah. They're killing it. They're crushing. Okay. Um, what do you guys think... Well, just to review some of the things that we discussed, education is an important piece, just understanding and knowing your carbon footprint, knowing that there's now an algorithm that will help you to compute it for certain activities. Uh, and if you own uh, a e-commerce site, think about plugging it in, think about helping people to offset delivery. Um, what do you think are some of the other things that people can do outside of education? What are the, the top three that we would give them? I mean, I'm trying to think here because it's like, you know, you don't want to tell someone to boil the ocean and just uh, and just go after the right. whole thing. I think, you know, being um, being more aware We're of... We're currently boiling the ocean, by the way. We are currently boiling the ocean. That's actually probably the most apropos uh, metaphor for, for that. Right. But yeah, you want, you want small actionable things that can act as leaders for um, behavioral change. So these little, these small little nudges that once you start, you know, it, it might seem, you know, dumb and a lot of people have criticized it, but just ditching the plastic straws will start you thinking more in a holistic sense about your environmental footprint and impact, because that's something that you tangibly feel and see on a regular basis. So once you start to cognitively remove that from your flow, you start right. to so think about other things. Individual environmental footprint is the, you know, is the first step on the education. Yes. That you guys want. Yeah. And the, and the second thing is I think from um, looking at, 
you know, how you can support renewable energy, um, how you can, you know, look into really what the education pieces about it are. There's some fascinating science. Yes, exactly. Like being coming publicly where we actually work with a really cool, um, group called protect our winners. I got to give them a shout out because they've been incredible, um, partners. So personally migrating away from fossil fuels and whether or not that's plastic because plastic is fucking made from fossil fuels or, um, uh, electric cars and planes. Yeah, uh, this is seeming to be a, a big one because you guys are at the forefront of the migration toward renewables. Yeah, for sure. I mean, electric the electrification of transportation has you know such an opportunity as we work to decarbonize the energy industry. The electrification has the opportunity to decarbonize the first biggest producer of of greenhouse gases in, by sector, which is transportation. And I think it's a trend that is not going to stop anytime soon. Right. And every single person can can work to you know using public transportation, for instance. Um, a lot of those vehicles are electrified, or uh, they've they've moved to clean natural gas, which is you know, while it's not perfect, it's Let's better think about than it and offset that behavior at the very least while you're still doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Think about it, offset it um, and support and support um, people who are trying to make incremental improvements. Like, you know, there is, like Jesse said, don't let perfect be the, the um, enemy of good. So I think that um, any of those small little uh, behavioral nudges that people can, can incorporate into their lives, policy side of things. And then also uh, think about like your next vehicle should be electric. There's no reason not to at this point. It's right. just, there's, and all the car makers have said straight up, we are moving towards electric vehicles in the next 10 to 15 years. So oh, right. why would you want to buy a product that, that they're telling you they're going to stop making in the next 10, 15 years? Like, I just, I don't want to get that. Like, just go buy electric, um, you know, look into solar in the next few years. Uh, I think that those are things that it will have a massive impact yeah. on, on, on the footprint of the average person. Guys, you just convince me I'm going to buy an electric car. Because I was going to buy a used Ford Explorer. I'm not going to do it. No, don't. No. You are such an SUV guy. It's part of your Yellowstone image. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, you might be a pickup truck guy. You can. But, I mean, the flip side is like, my thought process was like, oh, you could buy like vintage clothing. That's better for the world. So maybe a used car is better for the world. Jesse, tell me what you no. want to do. Because I feel like this is completely in line with that. You have the best of both worlds. And Jesse's going to tell you how. Okay. So I'm kind of like you, like buy an old car. I just uh, recently bought a 2003 station wagon. But my plan, it, when, once I get enough uh, of my car fund built up, is to try to convert my old 2003 to all electric. Um, and the conversion gonna, process. Swap out the engine. Yeah. My Take gosh. out the entire guts of the car, replace it with an in, entirely electric drivetrain, everything. And, you know, I'm, Dave and I are kind of the, the opposite end of the spectrum on this. I, don't, I like old things. I like, you know, I'm not like the techie, shiny stuff. But so if I got my old car on the outside, the old feel of it, but the electric engine and everything on the inside, I can kind of have the best of both worlds. So I've been uh, secretly plotting how I'm going to electrify my car. Not so secretly now, the world knows. But but, uh, I've been exploring what it it would take to, and I just bought this car maybe six months ago uh, for not very much money because I didn't have that much money. But but what it'll take to convert that old car to an electric car. Uh, let me know how it goes. I mean, that's amazing. It's like you could have like a old Buick station wagon with wood paneling, pero like it's electric. How cool would that be? And then and then just burn people off the line of traffic lights right. too, because electric right. cars are like <laughs> ne- neck snapping. It doesn't even make that like engine noise. <laughs> yeah, like, right, right. Dink. Just disappears. So in your who's old your mechanic? Car. Who's doing this? 
Um, so I, my mechanic's actually my cousin's husband right now, and I've been talking to him about it. He he has a it's kind of an interesting concept. Doc from Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, he needs to invest in a hair comb, but uh, we're working on that too. But, uh, but the uranium's been very difficult to get. That's right. But, but we've got can, a connection in the Ukraine. We've got this, we've got this lead deal. on turning garbage oh. into fissile material, so we'll see. But uh, but yeah, they're, they're, um, in my research, there are like six or seven shops around the country right now that are doing electric vehicle conversions on your old cars. Um, and, you know, they got a range of prices and stuff. And I think just converting to electric is not enough because you got the balance and you've got all the other things too um, to make the car like usable. Um, but it's about the same as, as what buying a, a new car significantly cheaper than buying a new electric car would be um, to convert your old car to electric. So I'm, I'm really excited about being able to pull that off. I'll update you in the future. Inspiration. I, you do it first. I'll do it second. Okay. Right. right. Straight <laughs> inspo. Yeah. Uh, guys, Thank you very, very much for yeah, coming thank on. You. Thank you for the car talk. Thanks for having us. Um, like really, we really got in there. Electric car talk. <laughs> electric car talk. You know, it's hot. It's Fire, very by the way. It's electric car, electric NASCAR. I think it's called E. Electric yeah. NASCAR. It's like yeah, they have Formula E, I think. Formula E. It's in Brooklyn. They Which have. sounds like baby formula. I'm Henry Lynn. The cars go so fast, but they're silent. <laughs> and, and that's Barnett Zitron of the silent cars. <laughs> and this has been Better World. Join us again 